You're listening to First Christian Church Podcast, featuring teachings from our pastors. Every weekend, they explore and explain meaningful truth from God's Word that helps us understand how to follow Jesus and grow in our faith. To learn more, visit us at firstchristian.com. Now let's dive into this week's sermon. Well, hey, I'm out here at Glen Oak High School, and you may be wondering why I'm on a football field about to preach a sermon. And uh, it's not because I miss sports more than I've ever missed anything in my entire life. It's also not because the Browns just put together the best draft that they've had in like 30 years. Both of those things are true. Uh, But I'm out here today because we're continuing our Add the Movie sermon series, and this week's movie is one of my favorites of all time. I think it's one of the greatest sports movies ever made. It's a movie called Remember the Titans. I'm sure a lot of you have seen it. It tells the true story of T.C. Williams High School in Alexandria, Virginia in the early 1970s. The school district decided to merge these two schools and kind of making an effort at racial reconciliation. You see, one of the schools was for predominantly white students and the other was for predominantly black students. And so in this southern town that's kind of torn up by racism, you can imagine that there are a lot of things at play throughout the movie. But it tells the story through the perspective of the two football teams, the two varsity football teams, who also had to come together and learn to be one. And so you have two coaches, Coach Yost and Coach Boone, both vying for one head coaching job. You have two groups of players that have to compete against each other now for playing time at the same positions. You've got other coaches and families and people in the community who are trying to navigate through this thing. And football is kind of the surface layer but then you have these deeper layers of racism and bigotry and intolerance and and, uh, frustration and anger. And the movie tracks with people on the team as they figure out how to come together. And I love Remember the Titans because it's more than a story, it's more than a movie about high school football. It's a movie that shows us that as people, if we'll set aside our differences and our disagreements, that when we come together, we can achieve what we set out to achieve And in the end, we see that love can prevail over evil. Now, hold that thought. What if I told you that today was your last day on earth? Like, what if I told you that this was the last day that you had? What would you do with the time that you had left? I've never sat down and uh, written a bucket list, but some things come to mind for me right away. Like, I've always wanted to swim with great white sharks. (laughs) Maybe that sounds crazy to you, but if I'm gonna die anyway, why not, right? Uh, I've always wanted to see the pyramids, so maybe I'd grab my wife and jump on a plane and go try to see the pyramids. But honestly, uh, I don't know what comes to mind for you. Maybe you've got a favorite meal you want to eat one more time. Maybe something you want to do or something you want to see. But I'd be willing to bet most of us would take that time and we'd gather the people that we love the most together. And we'd spend time with them and specifically we'd tell them things that we really wanted to be sure they heard before we were gone, right? Well, today, We're gonna look at a passage of scripture in John chapter 17. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible and I think it's one of the most powerful and profound passages of scripture because it's one of the few instances in scripture where we get to read the words of Jesus as he prays. We know that Jesus prayed all the time. There are verses like Mark 135 that tell us that Jesus would do things like wake up really early in the morning while everybody else was still asleep and he would go find a solitary place to be alone with the Father and to pray. So we know he prayed regularly, but there are only a few examples in the Bible where we get to read those words, and John 17 is one of those. So let me set the stage for you. It's Passover weekend. Jesus and his disciples and some good friends are gathered in the upper room, and they're sharing this meal together, the Last Supper as we know it now. 
And so they've just finished eating and Jesus starts to pray. It says he lifts his eyes to heaven and, and he starts to pray. Some people think maybe that happened while they were still in the upper room. And then some people think maybe they've even left the upper room at this point and they're actually walking on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus knew that in just a few hours he would be arrested and betrayed and eventually led away to his trial and to his execution. But the setting doesn't really matter. The significant thing here is that as Jesus begins to pray, he prays out loud while he's surrounded by his friends and the people who matter most to him. And I think that's significant because he was about to say some things that he wanted them to hear. See, he knew his time was running short because he starts his prayer and he says, Father, the hour has come. So he's acknowledging these are, these are kind of his final hours, his final days. And then he begins this prayer where he starts to say all these things. And I, I think it's significant because this prayer wasn't just for his disciples. See, he knew they would hear these things, but he knew that they'd write them down and that those words would be passed down from generation to generation over centuries and eventually they'd make their way to you and me. And we know that's true because he says in the first few verses of the passage we're going to look at today, he says this prayer isn't just for them. It's not just for my disciples, but it's for all who hear their message and believe in me. And then he goes on to pray for three things with you and me in mind. He prays for unity. He says specifically, Father, I pray that they'd be one as you are in me and I am in you. He wants us to be unified. He prays that in verse 20 and 21. In verse 24, he prays for glory. Specifically, he prays that one day you and I would get to see his glory on full display in heaven. And he prays for love in verses 25 and 26. And, and, and there he prays that God's love would be on display in our lives and that people who are far from God would see what he's like and they'd see how much he loves, him, how much he loves people uh, as they look at our lives. But today I just want to look at the very first part of that passage, the part about unity, because I think the other two parts are directly impacted by our ability to get that right. Now, how important was our unity to God? Uh, it's really, really important. Let me put it this way. As Jesus is praying, he's on his way, again, to his betrayal and arrest and execution. And the whole reason he's about to go through that is because he wants us to be with him in heaven one day, right? And he prays that we would see his glory when we're there. And so we know that's important to him. But in the same breath, he prays for our unity while we're here on earth. It's super important to him that we're unified. And here's the reason why. The reason why is he says in these verses in John chapter 17 that our unity is our testimony. It's our story. It, it gives legitimacy to the fact that we claim to believe in and follow Jesus. And likewise, if we're not unified, we have no story to tell. There's nothing to see here. We look just like the rest of the world. And, and, and simply put, I mean, you and I both know that when we look around at the world, we see a lot of disunity. We see a lot of intolerance and we see a lot of cruelty and we see a lot of anger and, and disrespect and hatred. And Jesus has called us to live out a better way. See, Jesus calls us to stand out. He wants people to look at us and to see something different. He doesn't want people to look at us and see the same old thing. He wants them to stop and take notice and to think to themselves, whatever they have, I want some of that. I want in. It's got to be different. And why would anybody want more disunity and, and disrespect and, and frustration and anger and cruelty in their life? Obviously, nobody in their right mind is going to want more of that. And, and so as Christians, if we're going to claim to believe and follow Jesus, then we've got to live out a better way too. 
Uh, we have to look different. And if we fail, he looks foolish and we look like hypocrites. So it is absolutely mission critical that we get this right. You see, this whole unity thing, it's, it's bigger than agreeing on the color of the carpet in a church building. And it's bigger than agreeing on the color of paint on the walls. It's bigger than agreeing on the kind of music that we play during worship. This is bigger than church politics. This is literally the difference between people coming to know Jesus or not. You see, if what he's saying is true in these verses, then there are people whose eternity is at stake and it's riding on whether or not we get this thing right. Our mission is to make disciples. It's to reach people who are far from Jesus and bring them closer to him and introduce them to him so that they have a relationship with him in their life. And why in the world would they want to come with us and walk that journey with us if we look just like they already do? And if we look like everything else they see in the world, why would they want to follow Jesus if they think he looks like we do when we treat each other poorly? Of course they wouldn't. See, all this reminds me of this scene in Remember the Titans where Coach Boone is just kind of frustrated with his players. He's just fed up. They keep fighting. They keep bickering. They have all these arguments with each other. They won't play together. And so they're at their training camp before the season starts. And, and one day he goes in and he wakes them all up early. And he says, we're going for a run. And so they start on this run. And, and uh, at the end of the run, they wind up on this, uh, in the cemetery on the battlefield at Gettysburg. And so they're in this really powerful, reverent moment with the sun just starting to come up over the horizon and the mist kind of settling across the battlefield. And as they're standing there reflecting, Coach Boone says some words to his players that I think are really profound. He says, this is where they fought the Battle of Gettysburg. 50,000 men died right here on this field fighting the same fight that we're still fighting with each other today. And then he says, listen to their souls, men. If we don't come together right now on this hallowed ground, we too will be destroyed. Well, listen, church, now more than ever, the world needs us to be a light of hope and of unity and of love. And if we don't come together, then we are bound to fail. You see, Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 35, that the world would know that we're his disciples, not because we attend a church and not because we live stream one on Sunday during quarantine, right? Uh, he said people would know we're his disciples, not because we read our Bible or wear a Jesus for all people t-shirt, but he said they would know that we're, we're his disciples when they see the way that we love each other. It all comes down to that. And so it's absolutely critical that we get this right if our mission is gonna succeed. Now, think about this. Uh, how much better would the world be if there was less disrespect and more respect? If there was less intolerance and more kindness and love, if there was less disunity and more unity. Think about your life. How much better would your life be if you had more relationships with people that looked like that, that were full of kindness and love and, and goodness and grace? And then ask yourself this question. What kind of culture are you contributing to through the words that you speak? What kind of culture are you contributing to uh, through your presence on social media? What kind of culture are you contributing to in the church through the way that you treat your brothers and sisters? It's a very important question for us to ask each other and it really does all come down to that. And then think about this. 
What if as a church we decided that we were gonna be so committed, now more than ever, to coming together, to shining that light of unity and of love and of hope and of kindness into our community, so much so that when people in our city looked at us, they saw something different and they thought, I have to be a part of that. What if, as a church, we were more sold out to that now than ever before, and we actually, we got so good at that that we made it hard to live in Canton and not believe in Jesus. How crazy would that be? How cool would that be? I think we can do it. And I wanna tell you what it would look like. You see, Jesus prayed that he and the Father uh, would be one, and there's a whole lot in there. That's a really deep thought process. Uh, we could spend a lot of time unpacking that and really getting at what that means, but I think as you look at this passage of scripture, you can really sum that up in two key thoughts. The first thing is that Jesus and the Father were one. They were alike in that they're set apart from sin. And the word we would use to describe that is they were holy. They're, they're completely set apart. That's what the word holy means. And, and likewise, we as the church are called to be holy. We're called to be set apart. Now it's only possible because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so we need to hold each other accountable to continue to strive, to work, to look more like Jesus every single day, to live more like Jesus every single day. We're called to be holy. That's part of coming together and being one. And the second thing is this, Jesus and the Father were one in that they're completely devoted to the other. They were completely devoted to the revelation of the other. Jesus wanted us when we looked at him to see the character of the Father in his life. They were devoted to the best interests of the other. And we're called to do that too. We are called to be relentlessly devoted to each other as brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. We're called to put each other's best interests before our own. We're called to take care of each other. We're called to be completely sold out to caring for one another and being devoted to each other. Now, that all sounds well and good, but in practical terms, how do we do that, right? Uh, how do we really come together around those two things? Because those, those are pretty vague. Well, I wanna give you four ideas, and I think these are four really timely ideas, because again, as we're here, we're quarantined, we're feeling isolated, uh, we need each other more than we ever have before. And I would say that the community that we live in needs us as the church. They need hope, they need light, and they need uh, they need Jesus more than ever before. And so I wanna give you four really timely practical ideas for how we can come together in this season. The first thing is really simply, we need to spend time with each other. Now I realize we can't all be in the same place together and uh, hopefully someday soon we'll be able to do that. But be connected to the church. Now, let me ask you, are you on the fringes or have you ever taken the step of really diving in and getting involved in the life of the church? You need to be connected and spend time with people. If you're gonna to come together with people, you gotta do that. That was really the turning point for the Titans in the movie. It's when they went to their training camp and they spent a lot of time together getting to know each other. And we need to do that with our, our brothers and sisters in the church. So are you in a small group? Because if you're not, that's a great way to get to spend some time with people and get to know some people. If you're not in a small group, by the way, if you're watching this live, uh, we actually have an online rooted course that starts today and you can still get in if you go to firstchristian.com rooted. That's a, a perfect entryway to being in a small group. It's a great way to get connected. Uh, do you show up for church regularly? Are you present? Uh, do, you, do you get involved in the fellowship of the church? Fellowship's just a fancy way to say, hey, we hang out together because we have something in common. And that thing for us is that we believe in and we love Jesus. Uh, so spend time together. Another thing you can do is pray for each other. 
it's really hard not to like somebody when you pray for them regularly. And listen, you can pray for somebody in a general sense, but it's a lot easier and it means a lot more when you can pray for somebody because you know them and you know their life. You know what's going on and you know how to pray for them in ways that mean the most. And so, again, that only works if you're spending time with other people, but don't just spend time with them, then pray for them. And again, the more you pray for somebody, the more difficult it is to not love them. Another thing that you can do, the, the third thing, is you take care of each other. Uh, and we see a beautiful picture of this in Acts chapter 2 when we look at the early church and we read about how they worked. They, they would get together regularly for teaching. They were growing together, right? And they would break bread. They would eat together. But check this out. They would even go so far as when they found out that somebody else in the church had a need, they would sell their own possessions and they'd give the money to that person to help meet their needs. But where else in the world do you see that? And can you just imagine if the church would operate that way? People would look at us and they would think, I don't know what they're doing, but I've got to be a part of that. We need to take care of each other. We need to put each other's needs above our own and each other's preferences above our own. And, and that kind of leads us to this attitude of saying, it's not about me. It's going to be about other people and how I can help to care for them. And then finally, we work together for a common purpose. Mark Moore said it really profoundly. He said, we can only afford the luxury of fighting with each other when we lose sight of the true enemy. So check this out. Jesus only had one mind, and that mind was team. And he only had one purpose, and that purpose was to win. It was mission success. If our mission is to make disciples, then our true enemy is Satan. He will try to stop us at any cost. And the more we focus on the fact that he is our true enemy, the, the, the more difficult it is for us to look at each other uh, with any kind of disrespect or disunity. And so get involved and find a place to serve. Get involved in, in chasing after that mission with us. And the more you work alongside your brothers and sisters in the church, the easier it becomes to come together and to be one. Now, it's not going to be easy, okay? Uh, Jesus... And the early church leaders, they all kind of knew this. And, and Paul wrote about this in Romans chapter 15. He said some words that I think really speak clearly to what this looks like for us. He said, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What Paul is saying in here, honestly, is if you're going to have one mind and one voice, it's gonna push back against everything in your human nature. And so the God who gives endurance and encouragement is gonna to have to give you endurance and encouragement so you can stick this out and come together with one mind and one voice. It's not easy. It's gonna mean that we have to rely on God to give us those things, but it's possible and it's, it's so worth it. Toward the end of the movie, Coach Yost's daughter, Cheryl, uh, is kind of telling the story in her own words, uh, says something pretty profound. She said, uh, you know, people say it can't work black and white. Well, here we make it work every day. We have our disagreements, sure. But before we reach for hate, always, always, we remember the Titans. Well, we're the church. We're one body made up of many parts, and we're all different. We come from different backgrounds. We look different. We think different. Some of us believe differently about some things. We have different preferences. But just like the Titans, when we can set aside our differences, there's nothing we can't achieve if we set out to do it together. And just like we see in the movie, love can prevail over evil. See, we come together 
That is the best message of hope that we can give to our families and our community. And it's the best message that we can give to a world that needs hope and light more than ever before. And so before we reach for anything else, always, always, we remember the cross. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode. We believe that no matter what's in your past or what your life looks like today, Jesus is for you. If something you've heard has moved you to take a step in your faith, we're here to talk with you. You're not alone. We're all in this together. Visit hub.firstchristian.com to connect and let us know how we can help you along your journey. Thanks again for tuning in today. See you soon.